Welcome to episode 155 of the True to You podcast. It's really good to be here with you today. Again, we have a beautiful sunny day. I got out for a lovely walk this morning. I always love a good morning walk in the sun and I feel like as spring is around the corner, I officially start spring on the equinox. So if you want to have a little argument with me on that one. We won't officially be in spring until I think it'd be September 22nd. So we've got a few more weeks, but it definitely feels like that change is in the air. We're getting some warmer days and it was really nice to jump on a call this morning early with some of the creators and then get out for a lovely walk. Like I say, it's the best way to start the day. So today we have a guest which is really fun. As you know, there's been quite a few back-to-back solo episodes. I've done a run of Instagram Lives, which have also become podcast episodes. I really wanted to take some time to give you episodes that were dedicated to some specific tools, specific questions that I'm hearing coming up in our group and one-to-one work and then bring those to you so that you can have more powerful marketing, more powerful sales and a more powerful mindset when it comes to your business. And so without further ado, I want to welcome today's guest, Nerida Bent, to the show. She is someone that has been through a major transition in her personal life and in her business life. We actually spoke to Nerida back in March 2020, episode 38. You'll hear us have a little laugh about that at the start of the episode. Wow, yes, <laughs> a lot's happened since then in a really positive way. And I think it's cool to hear that story, the evolution of her business, how a lot of that has evolved out of her own personal story. And realizing that she not only has a passion for helping people with their emotional landscape, their emotional intelligence, once we feel like we have the tools to support ourselves, because we can't get rid of emotions, it's just how we move through those different emotions in our life, how we can support ourselves through the ups and downs, and not only enjoy those moments that are challenging us, but really celebrate when we get through them and when we do have wins. And so today you'll hear some of Nerida's story. You'll also hear some of the ways in which she approaches her emotional intelligence coaching. We talk about a lot of it from a business perspective. So we're going to talk about moving through fear in order to be more visible. Also how you can reach new heights in your business and go for new levels of success. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nerida Bent. This is episode 155 of the Trudy podcast. That episode was titled Transforming One Life-Changing Moment into a Completely New Career. Since March 2020, which ironically was, I look back at that and I go, this is a woman who owned a brick and mortar business, a gym in March, 2020, we all know, or maybe we've kind of blanked this out, (laughs) what happened. And I do remember sitting down with you and going, are you okay? Mm. Like there was a lot going on Mm. in your life at that time. And so we don't need to dive too far back into that, but why don't we start off with 
what's changed since mm. March 2020? We're <laughs> three years, over three years later. Yeah. Which is crazy. So interesting. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love your work and I'm such a big fan of everything you do. So always love time to sit and chat with you and your audience. But interestingly, like it's so funny that you say March 2020 because that was the beginning of my next huge rock bottom transformation. Mm. Now looking back at that time and because I've, you know, I will say I think I've been lucky that I've hit rock bottom a couple of times in my life. And after my first sort of rock bottom moment, I remember hearing this concept of the divine storm where everything comes in to shake your life and to make everything really painful because something is pushing you to grow. And that that March 2020 was the beginning of that divine storm for me. At that time, you know, I think it was March 30, you know, Australia went into lockdown, all businesses were closed. I actually was going through a breakup mm. at the time that wasn't connected, but just weirdly happened around the same time. I had to move into an Airbnb where I was living by myself in the middle of a lockdown and going through a heartbreak and complete uncertainty. My accountant said to me, I think you're going to go bankrupt. Like there's just no way we can see how you can get through this. And so now three and a half years on, like, you know, I'm so grateful for that time because what I didn't realize at the time was I was in a relationship that, you know, wasn't aligned and I wasn't feeling fulfilled in. I actually had deep core wounds that I hadn't even faced yet, which the breakup of that relationship did force me to look at and the lockdown, having enough time to do some of that work. You know, at the time I thought, I I, don't get me wrong. I loved owning gyms for eight years, but I was also outgrowing that that chapter and I was looking for something deeper and that's what's led me to doing the work that I do now where I'm an emotional intelligence coach and I'm helping people heal their wounds and you know understand their emotional home and overcome themselves and achieve bigger in life so it's so interesting because as I was talking about that transformation I was actually at the beginning of going through another deep one. So yeah, interesting yeah. times. And so you're no longer the owner of La Somme Gems. Yeah. And you mentioned there becoming a coach, transformational coach and helping with emotional intelligence. Now, like what has that process been like? Mm. Letting go of that identity that you had, you were so known and when I came to Newcastle when I moved here you were known for the gyms and you were known as the owner of Lewis Psalm and you had that identity and now or over that that three-year period that completely changed and now you're doing something different mm. you're probably somewhat ready for it but also it's never easy is it mm. yes oh, God, would no. you like to speak a little mm. bit to that process because mm. a lot of us pivoted in the last few Mm. years as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. whether it was because we got more in touch with what we wanted in our life and our values and that caused that to happen or maybe we moved or something has has happened for a lot of people that's meant they've changed their direction with their businesses Mm. do you want to speak to that what that was like yeah oh yeah it was Oh gosh, it was definitely one of the most emotionally intense chapters of my life. You know, we all know there was so much uncertainty. There was so much division, you know, we're locked in our homes and yet we're fighting on social media. Like, you know, we're arguing about, yeah. And, And managing a team and a community through that was so challenging. And, you know, now looking back, you know, I, I think it was the beginning of me, you know, obviously 
we were so introduced to this crazy sort of world on Insta- on social media where, you know, if we dared to question anything or voice an opinion that was out of the ordinary, you would just be shut down and completely cancelled. So I think for me, it was the beginning of my awakening to just realizing how much I thought the world was like I thought was right in the world that was wrong Mm. and it was a constant just unlayering for me and then it was it was my own spiritual sort of journey but then it was also managing all these people and and having people walk out of my life and reject me which was really difficult but what it also did was it deepened my faith and my knowing in who I really am and so it was almost like it it was such a blessing in disguise because now I actually genuinely really like who I am I've built you know I've built the foundation of my worthiness and I've worked through so much of my shame and my fear that I never would have had I not been thrown in the fire with all these Mm. circumstances you know and it was interesting when I had the gyms I'm not a, a I wasn't a business owner that dealt with a lot of anxiety I worked in a role that I loved I loved bringing women together we had hard times yes but I always had this knowing things would work out. And for the first time, I was really faced with dealing with a lot of conflict, a lot of fear. Every single restriction came with, you know, had an immediate impact on the business, you know. And so, you know, I was hanging on these announcements and just it was exhausting. Like Mm. now looking back, I can see I was living in a state of stress that partly I inflicted on myself too, you know, for a number of years. And I think you know, and it taught me a lot about leadership. My mentor that I had at the time helped me to see that like my community really needed me and that I needed to sort of really step up and, and hold space. So it was the first time I could really actually understand sometimes it's not really about me. I need to actually zoom out and be there for other people. And, you know, it was the beginning of me understanding how to communicate and how to feel my feelings and how to be on my own because I was forced to be on my own so much. So, and I just remember the end of that break breakup. It was so interesting, right? I remember going through that breakup and I, I remember so being so confused, like thinking, I love this man and, and I can tell he loves me and we're trying to figure this out, but we couldn't. We just couldn't make it work. And I was so confused. I was like, why is this not working when we both want it to, but it's just not clicking? And I remember just thinking that so clearly one day. And now looking back, I can see that I, ha- I was – so much living in so much fear Mm. and so much shame and that breakup had to end that that business had to sort of fall apart to force me to work through though that pain in my body that I had held on to from the trauma of my childhood and so yeah it was a really interesting process that pushed me to do that deeper healing on myself and yeah it's it's been a huge journey I think I realized after it was the first lockdown. We came out of the first lockdown. And we had to rebuild from the ground up. You know, it wasn't like we reopened and people just came flooding back. Like people were scared. It took six months of working so hard to even get to three quarters of where we were. Then there was another restriction, masks and distancing and then another lockdown. And after that second lockdown, I just knew I was done. I was mm. like, I cannot live in this uncertainty where, you know, my not only my income can be turned off overnight, but the income of all of my staff. It just was a huge burden to wear. And I, after that, I knew it was time for a change. And so, and I had just become naturally so interested in this sort of emotional healing work that that just made sense to step into that direction. So 
I was thinking about just closing the gyms, but my accountant said to me, why don't you try and sell them? And I remember saying to her, who would buy a gym after the last two lockdowns? Yeah. Like, and so that process was another like learning process, but I was so proud to be able to hand something over and wrap that chapter up and move on. That was a huge, yeah, I was really proud of myself for being able to do that. And yeah, it's led me to this work that I just love and am learning so much about myself every day. Yeah, that's such a a powerful way to come to your work is through your own experience because I imagine that through that there's been a number of things that you spoke about there and I know you do work with business owners as well and so you have so much empathy and relatability for some of the obstacles that hopefully we we hope, right, that some of that stuff that you dealt with is behind us mm. and we're looking at a new a new future. But at the same time, anything can happen in business. Mm, anything can totally. happen in life. Yeah. It personally, relationships that will also affect your business. And I imagine you find that it becomes all tied together yeah. in some way. Yeah. yeah. If a business owner is struggling in one respect, it's not like they can just shut the door. Well, some might shut the mm. door and then be able to continue the work. It, it is really challenging. So mm. I imagine, have you found that you've been able to bring in that experience of running your business and then couple that with the new tools that you have to create something really powerful for mm. business owners in particular when you work with them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what I've learned in the last few years is that life will, we're all here to learn a lesson. And I think it's so interesting in the last 12 months since I've been coaching people on a deeper level, it's been interesting to sit back and notice patterns and, and how we, how we hook onto our, like, so say for instance, for me, one of the lessons I'm here on this earth to, to learn is rejection, healing my rejection and unlovable wound. And it's so interesting, you know, I created, now I realize I created La Somme because I wanted a place to belong. Mm -hmm. I wanted a community. I wanted acceptance. So I was doing that to fulfill my own need. And so what I've really realized is we're all here to learn a lesson. And, and I can see some people are addicted to stress and overwhelm and, and just staying busy. I can see some people are, are addicted to, you know, anxiety and fear mm -hmm. and feeling insecure and inferior. I can see some people are addicted to anger, frustration, annoyance. I can see some people are addicted to sadness, loneliness, rejection. And so what I try to do is people always come to me under the guise of business coaching, but when you actually help them to, to heal that emotional home, that addiction, like when you notice that people feel when they're triggered, we're going out into the world every day and there are some things we hook onto and some things we don't. And it's because that reminds us of a childhood wound. When you start to work with them on that, because that pops up in their relationships, in their business, in their friendships, in their parenting, in their finances, whatever it is, when you actually start to see how they're constantly, that that block comes up in so many parts of their life and they start to understand how to overcome that, everything starts to change and shift. Mm. So yeah, like for me, my addiction has, my sort of emotional home has been rejection, loneliness, sadness, shame, confusion. So I tend to notice those, you know, opportunities for me to feel those every single day. 
you could sit here and criticize the work that I do and you could question my qualifications, my experience and my knowledge. And it wouldn't really, it wouldn't really phase me to be honest. But if I run into you on the street and you turn around and pretend not to see me, that will feel more painful for me. And now that I understand that about myself, I can really start to move through that so much quicker. And so it's so interesting. And the biggest thing I see in business is people suffering from this perfectionist wound or this stress or overwhelm, fear, anxiety. And really what you're avoiding is shame. You're, you're so afraid of feeling those shameful, heavy feelings that you felt as a child. So you'll act in ways to avoid that as an adult, but that's actually the thing that's blocking you. So for me with rejection, I would push people away before you had a chance to, to push me away. So what do you think that meant? That meant you know, I couldn't keep staff for a long period of time because if they made a mistake or if I, they did something that I questioned, I would attack them and push push them away rather than listen and hold mm-hmm. space. You know what I mean? It pops up and it's it's so interesting to witness how people have their little addiction and what they choose to focus on and hook onto. So a lot of the work that I do is helping people to see that and unhook from that and choose differently and then usually the areas that they're stuck in start to become more free and they become more successful they become more in flow Mm. yeah there's definitely something to be said for walking through the world with the lightness Mm. and not feeling the burden of some of those things that you've carried with yourself and those repeating patterns and it's so fascinating what you say you would think that some parts of your life, business, career can be separated out from some of the stuff that you're speaking with around your childhood and Mm. that. But as you were talking, I was starting to think, yeah, I can see how it doesn't really matter. And, and I imagine that a lot of the time it's, it's, where any place in your life where some relationship occurs, there's probably going to be something Mm. that comes up and it just, shows up in in different contexts and mm. different ways and and that would make us so much more powerful as business owners if we yeah. were aware of that especially as you start to like you say lead teams yeah. i was thinking about the last few years and i was actually reminded by a friend of mine recently said to me that she believes and this came off the back of her deciding to actually quit some social media mm-hmm. And she runs a business and she's decided that she just wants to have a sabbatical from social media for a few reasons and work on her business in a way that meant that she wasn't constantly drawn into those online conversations. So her marketing was going to more offline and connecting with people. She might be on other social media, but... Uh, particularly Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) which is also my vice as well. Mm, Totally. But something interesting that she said to me with that, because we were talking back and forth was around this piece of distraction and how so many people, I think, especially after the lockdown periods and everyone going online, it spiked our social media use Mm. to the point where that became, I don't want to like say new normal, but the amount that we were using it, we shifted our normal, right? We were going from checking it a few times a day to relying on Mm. it for connecting with people, for our news source, for our entertainment, for Mm. all of these things. 
And it's caused a lot of us as we've moved out of that period and we're back into some sort of sense of normality to just be constantly distracted. Yeah. And we definitely see this working with business owners. I see it in myself. Mm. I've got habits Mm. around being distracted that I'm like, oh, (laughs) we've got to work on that. Yeah. We've got to we've got to find a meditation. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. saying Kundalini, but she was saying that that distraction. When we're a planet of distracted people, we can't fully manifest what we want mm. in our life because we can't focus on anything. Mm. We've constantly got other people's ideas mm. coming into what we want. We've constantly just avoiding other things in order to get what we want. I can imagine that you know, the partner picking up the phone while the other one's trying to talk to them. Yeah. These simple little things can become, yeah, really big deal. But I thought that was so interesting and it really hit home. I was like, you know what, if there's something you really want, I think the main thing you should work on is, is the distraction. Mm. So talk to me a little about, a little bit about what you've noticed. Do Mm. you see this too as something Mm. that has really changed oh my gosh yes and and I think one of the scariest things is we're not talking about the impact of this on our relationships on our mental health on our kids you know I I saw a doctor talking the other day about they're now doing studies where they can prove that for every hour a child is on a device at this age like at a young age it increases their their ID suicide ideation by 10% as a teenager a teenager now like a normal teenager just now that has access to a phone has worse mental health than a teenager in a psych ward 50 years ago. That's a scary statistic and it's only getting worse. When you think about how much technology has just geared up in the last 15 years and where it's actually going, it's actually terrifying. And we don't talk enough about how it breaks down relationships. It, 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 you know, and while I see this, while I see this huge sort of, thing blowing up I also see so many people waking up to all of the ways that we are distracted in society and for me personally there is you know we need time we need stillness we Mm. need to be with ourselves to contemplate to reflect to doubt like have ideas come through to you know manage ourselves like children do that naturally through play one of the ways that children naturally tend to regulate themselves and process their day is through free play. And while ever we're putting these, you know, these things that are feeding them images and violence and drama, we are molding their minds in a way that is just horrifying to to see where it might go. Like mm. that's what I think is so scary. I think honestly, we're going to look at technology in the next 5 to 10 years as dangerous as smoking. Mm. You know, it's it's going to happen. It's just we're the generation that are going to have to to feel the pain to see it. And it will be when you know, the, the rate of suicide is just going through the roof. That's when yeah. it will become scary. And I notice even in myself, when I'm on it a lot, I can feel my like, and I don't get comparisonitis. I don't tend to, I've tend, I, I generally am pretty optimistic, positive person that just shows up pretty, you know, I play full out. You know, I tend to just, you know, if I see someone on social media doing a great job, I don't 
take I don't get triggered by that I think how inspiring and I think Mm. what can I learn from this person that's generally who I am but if I notice I'm spending a lot of time on social media and I'm distracting myself a lot I notice my thoughts go there and that's when I know oh wow I actually need some boundaries I need to change some things because I'm noticing my mood starting to drop I'm noticing every time I'm bored I'm going to you know I'm even practicing things like when I'm standing in a line yeah waiting for a coffee just that, ur- that urge to go and grab, grab that phone and distract myself, I'm just noting, noticing that and resisting it. And instead, standing still, looking around, and it's sad because you look around and everyone's on their phone, everyone's down, yeah. and I, I'm one of them. But I'm trying really hard personally to break more of these habits. You know, even little things like putting Instagram only on your laptop, not on your phone. I think that's one of the biggest gifts. I th- and I mean, at the moment, I've been on social media a lot, but... I'm, you know, I'm in the transition of like, I'm, I know I'm getting that place where I'm like, I need to get social media off my phone, put it on my laptop so that I can check it every 12 hours when I'm working, but I'm not just addicted to it. Mm. And, you know, everyone's at a different place with what feels right for them. And I've gone back and forth, but I think what we need to be asking ourselves is, yeah, what is this in place of? What are we, what kind of people are we becoming? when we aren't able to sit still with ourselves and we're constantly looking for validation and constantly looking to be entertained outside of ourselves. Don't get me wrong. Social media can be incredible for building a business, building a community, selling things like it's incredible, but it's like anything. When something good becomes, you know, the overuse of something good can, can become, you know, really dangerous as well. It's just noticing that and figuring out where that is for you. But I find the statistics around the kids' mental health the most frightening. And when I see – I work with a lot of parents and it's so interesting, right? I'll ask them. Like they'll talk about behavioral issues and they will – I will ask them like, hey, well, how much time is your kid spending online? And they're like, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour or two a day. I'm like, okay, cool. Don't change anything. Go home and just leave it a week and then just – Check their screen, your screen time at the end of every day and look at it. And it's scary. It's like 8, 9, 10, 12 hours. Because yeah. really when you think about it, they're waking up at 6 or 7 o'clock and they're doing a couple of hours before school. Then they're going to school and they're on devices and then they're coming home and they're on devices. And, you know, I say to them, every time your child is on a device, they are not playing, singing, laughing, jumping, riding, climbing, skipping, running, playing you know they're not doing all those things Mm. which is so scary and I had a client recently she sent me a photo out of the blue she did this test at the beginning of the week and on Thursday I think it was Monday we had a session on Thursday she sent me a photo of this huge pot of water and two iPads and two phones in it and I was like oh my god what's happened and she said I realized my kids were on devices for 12 hours a day. And when I realized that I was shaking and I was realizing that I was the reason they are so unwell right now. And she said, I just could not live with that. And I had, and she just went cold Turkey and I've been working with her for three months now and her kids are now like, they're so much more connected. She's like, Nerida, I actually am playing with them. I'm drawing with them I'm painting with them we go for walks together she's like I can't believe how connected I am to them she said I realized I was unable to be present with them and so that's why I was feeding them with these devices because I was unable to be present with myself that's the thing right you can't be present to another human being if you don't know how to be present to yourself Mm. so like use 
that information with what you want. People, This will trigger people. That's okay. I'm not here to be your best friend. If listening to this forces you to go away and check that number and ha- have a hard conversation with yourself and make changes, I'm glad that I'm triggering you. But right now, this is the scariest thing we face. And parents, like bringing a, a life into this world is one of the most sacred things you could ever do. Do not take that responsibility lightly. Like l- l- you need to know what's going on for these kids because the detriment to their health is frightening. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's that's quite unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so when business owners are working with us on their marketing, a lot of the time they come to us because they've been doing a bit of marketing, it's going okay, but they know that they're ready to be more visible stand out, make a, draw a line in the sand and say, this is my work. This is what I'm here to do. This is who I'm here to serve. And they want to do that in front of other audiences. They want to experiment with different types of marketing, things like that. So I think that's great, but we often find that the very thing that stops us from doing that or has been stopping us is this fear of being visible Mm. when you're trying to put yourself out Mm. there in new ways and this is always a crusade that I've had because personally I've as you said before you do things to work through your own like your own blocks or your own obstacles and so for me it's always been pushing that comfort zone when it comes to visibility but I can definitely see how when or see when you're when you're wanting to do this as a business owner that that can come up and it can be really scary and so I would love to talk to you because I feel like the emotional intelligence piece very much comes into this facing fear what do we need to do to be able to shut out that noise and put ourselves out there in in a way that we enjoy it but it's also like pushing our comfort zone a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I love this question. Yeah. And I'm actually moving through some of this at the moment. So what I think it all really comes down to is responsibility. Okay. Mm. Interesting. So the bigger you become, the more responsibility you have to serve a bigger audience and to influence people in a bigger way. Therefore exposes you to more criticism. I've really noticed in my journey as I've grown, you know, couple of like 10 years ago I I would barely have anyone jump on my social media and say anything Mm. and as the years have gone on and I become more visible I tend to attract people that I don't know Mm. who feel comfortable commenting and writing things maybe criticizing maybe supporting either way and I think what we're, we're wired for connection we're wired to be accepted we're wired to want to fit in and I think what happens is when you're a business owner and you're a leader and entrepreneur I think if you're really good at what you do you 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 it's a you might trigger some people you might offend or upset or make people uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. so putting yourself out there being more visible means being more okay with that being more okay with the people who are challenged by your views or your message or your products or your services and I think that's where a lot of people are struggling with, with that responsibility if like if I stay small it means that I'm working in this sort of sphere and I don't have to be challenged. I don't have to be on that stage and I'm not responsible for influencing and changing. Cause I think what is interesting is we think, I think a lot of people think that they want the success, but they don't want what comes, what comes with it. So I think 
while we want the good, but we don't want what, the, the responsibility of what comes with it. And, you know, I think when I work on my capacity to hold more of that and understand that, you know, if I'm leaning into my message and I'm being authentic and I'm sharing what's coming, you know, what's right for me, then the path is the path that I'm meant to be on. And I think when it comes to questioning what you're putting out on social media, I'm a big believer that we learn through story. We learn like, you know, there's a great saying that your ideal client is the version of you five years ago. And so I found that like sometimes I've created social media pieces thinking that they would be a hit because they're full of information (laughs) or this or that and they just bomb. And then I write something just because it feels really relevant for me and I'm moving through something and it blows up because so many people are like, wow, I'm going through that too. So I think what you have to do is stop focusing on how you're being perceived Mm. and actually focus on what is who is the person that I needed, you know, a couple of months ago, a year ago? What message did I need to hear? What because that's what we're all doing, right? I created La Somme because I needed a place to belong. And mm. and I didn't do that because I thought, oh, I want to own a business. I want to run a gym. That came by accident. I did it because I needed something to belong to. And therefore it blew up. You know, me moving into this chapter, I didn't want for once think I want to be a coach or an author or a speaker. I didn't think that at all. What I thought was, you know, wow, I'm going through so much pain and, and I've, you know, I've needed so much support and all these books and podcasts and, and retreats have helped me so much. Oh, wow, you're going through that pain too? Oh, wow, you're too? People just naturally flock to me asking me for advice. It happened by accident. Mm. So stop focusing on what you think people need and actually just focus on what is it that you needed mm. and share that. And I guarantee you there's probably going to be another couple of thousand people that are going to need that too. Yeah. And, you know, understand that what you're resisting is – yeah, that, that brighter, bigger version of you that actually you're also terrified of and that's okay. It's okay to be scared of that, but stop lying to yourself about it. <laughs> yeah. Don't t- the bullshit lies around the perfectionism and the, oh, you know, the analysis. That's is a great saying I love. We go into our mind and analyze because we're avoiding the pain in our heart. Yeah. The more I'm analyzing and I'm thinking and I stop and I ask myself, what's coming up for me right now? There's fear. There's shame. There's guilt. There's sadness. The more I ask myself that question, the more I'm led to the right path. Sometimes, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I listen to myself as I speak and I'm like, far out. Like I came from housing commission, deep poverty, you know, abuse and like a a, a family full of trauma. Like I can't believe I didn't end up on the streets. I can't believe I didn't end up addicted to ice. I can't believe I didn't get knocked up at 16 and have four kids. And no shame to anyone that's done any of those things, but my life could have gone in such a different project, like direction. And what I've done is I've always tried to, like I've really parented myself and here I am and I know that this is the beginning of that, you know, next chapter and I'm so fucking proud of that. Yeah. I listen to myself and I'm like, you came from like housing commission where you could barely read and write and now look at you. Like I'm, that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And I just know that that message needs to be heard by so many more people. So, but I wasn't in a place to be able to, you know, I had to, when I created that safety for myself, all of a sudden I became ready to show up. So it's always a deeper wound. It's always Mm. so much deeper than we focus so much on the surface level. And actually it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so, so true. And it's not always easy 
to tell someone, oh, you should just start doing video on Instagram. You'll be fine. Like it's not that easy. And I think we look at all of these gurus, marketers, people telling us do this, do this. And what we don't realize is that maybe they've been practicing for the last 10 years. So we have to, we have to work with a, what, you know your history like you were talking Mm. about like what's perhaps gone on in the past Mm. that this is constantly Mm. a block for you and start slow start Mm. I think the 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 biggest thing is is if you don't start then you'll never have a regret Mm. (laughs) but if you if you just wait for the right time like you say you Mm. overanalyze you procrastinate you perfection you yeah, it's well, just, there, there is no right time. No, but what you're avoiding is you're 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 choosing to stay in your fear mm. and to not challenge yourself, mm. and you're avoiding that shame. You're avoiding the judgment. You're avoiding criticism. And that's when we when we sit there and think about that. If you ask that to every one of your clients, I guarantee you they probably were raised by a heavily heavily critical parent. Mm. That's probably where that comes from. And so it makes so much sense that you fear that now because you're wired. As a child, that kept you safe. Mm. Staying small and shrinking and staying, you know, staying invisible kept you safe. And now it's the very thing hindering you from the person you want to be. So helping people to go deeper and ask themselves, like, what are you avoiding right now? Like, what are you choosing? You You know, you're choosing that safety and that makes sense. We're wired for safety too. Okay, that makes sense. And you just validate it for them. Like, that's okay. That makes so much sense. Mm. When I think about this, this and this about your childhood, it makes sense that you feel so afraid to put yourself out there. And how can we start to meet our edge and challenge ourselves a little bit and lean in and just be with those feelings as they pop up? You know, it is a process of like letting that fear come up, letting that shame come up, letting yourself be criticized and sitting with it, being in the fire. That's where the growth comes. Mm. I've never grown so much as I was when I was crucified on social media and completely canceled and like, like I, we live in Newcastle, right? Pretty small town. Wow. I remember this time I didn't leave my house for two weeks yeah. because I was, you know, I was crucified over something I posted on social media and just, yeah, it was crazy. I had people reaching out to me saying, are you okay? I had a, a guy message me and say, I'm praying for you. Like, it's okay. Like this, you know, this will pass. I, you know, I had so much hate and like vengeance and, and pain directed towards me. So it forced me to sit in that. It forced me to ask myself, who am I? Am I really these people, this thing that these people are telling me? And it was great because, you know, I did grow up with a lot of shame. So I had to recon- I had to create this whole new relationship with myself from that. You know, mm. I was, you know, I, I, I will say, like, I, I, I hate to use the words depression because really depression is sadness and loneliness deep down. But I lived with a lot of that growing up and I did live with a lot of suicide ideation because, you know, now understanding that better, my mentor talks about suicide ideation is actually not you wanting to take your life. It's actually you yearning for your pain to end because Mm. you're so exhausted. And Mm. that resonated for me so much because I used to feel so much shame around the fact that, you know, I was walking around. This was before the pandemic. I owned these gyms and I had this life and I used to think, why am I so broken? Like, what's wrong with me? I, I have this great life. Why do I, why am I thinking these thoughts? And actually it was because I was so disconnected from myself and I was wanting that pain to end because I was so exhausted. And so, you know, 
for me, like I, a lot of those thoughts popped up again through that pandemic. And, and I now know myself well enough to know that when I go through a hard time, that is my default. And that's really just me yearning for the pain to end because I lived for so long in that pain and it scares me. Mm. But now I know I've got tools, I've got people I can rely on. I can, I know how to be with that and get myself out of it. But yeah, it's like, Sitting in that fire was a blessing in hindsight, like now. But at the time, it's just what I had to go through because re- I had to rebuild a relationship with myself that I'd been avoiding for 35 years. That's incredible. I don't think people have to go through such dark times to come out the other side, but it does require us to just face some of those little niggling things that keep coming back back up right and back to what we were saying right at the beginning these can these might be manifesting in your business or it might be in relationships or it might be your health Mm. yeah Mm. a lot of the time our health is just a reflection of our Mm. inner world or trauma that we've And look I I'm not experienced in this so I'm not talking from experience but yeah, I recently read someone who ha- whose mum had passed away and it was very sudden and he's a meditation teacher in the US and he was saying that for years after that he struggled with his health and now he's finally addressing it and mm. he knows it was because it was that pain. was very fast, very emotional, very painful and mm. now he's like, okay, I've got to just slow down, like he yeah. said, and stop and and at the same time he's probably going to work through the grief as well but yeah it's it's sometimes looking at those little things that become habitual and mm. okay why is this not mm. working well why don't I look at my mm. day <laughs> why don't I yeah. look at my week you know why don't I look at like those constant feelings that come up and and that I tend to push down so we don't have to have those big dramatic mm. moments sometimes we can just be living this habitual life that Mm. isn't the one that we're supposed to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is life will keep, there's a great saying, you know, someone will knock on the door and if you ignore it, they'll start banging on the door, (laughs) keep ignoring it. They'll start, you know, really banging on the door before it gets kicked in. And I do believe that like life will keep presenting us with, you know, situations and experiences to learn the lesson and, and everyone's lessons are different. And the sooner you meet that and, and get curious about it and, and do what you need to do to change it and address it within yourself, the easier your life will be. But we live in a society where most people don't feel comfortable going there. Like we tend to resist it. And that's why the, the problems get, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. I do believe that we do like we I, I believe most of us are so disconnected from our emotions. We don't even know. Most people, when I ask them, like, how are you feeling? They use phrases like good or bad <laughs> or, or, you know, if, if they're going through something and I'll ask them, how does that make you feel? They'll go, well, I just think that that person shouldn't have. It's like, wow, you're so, we're so in our mind, in our head. And we don't even know how to express. Oh, yeah, I actually am feeling really shocked. I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling, you know, really fearful. And when we start to have that dialogue with ourselves and check in with ourselves, like what's coming up for me right now? What am I feeling? We start to then be able to quickly, more easily move to 
to fix the situation like and change it Mm. you know but because we're not doing that we don't know how to we don't even have the literacy around that we don't even you know I have this emotion wheel that I use with all my clients and at first they really struggle because you know they're like oh they're trying to go into their mind again right and it's like no 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 sit with it sit with it sit with it what's coming up for you and it's so interesting because the more that they start using that, the, the better it becomes. And then I get to a point where I ask them like, okay, how's that making you feel? Oh, yeah, it's making me feel angry again. <laughs> and it's like, cool, this comes up a lot for you, okay? Yeah. What's that anger tied to? What's yeah. it really about? What does this really remind you of? Because, you know, there's a great quote, if it's hysterical, it's historical. So usually if something's popping up for you and it's causing some pain, there's something tied to your past. But I will say that like, yeah, what my wish is to see people become more emotionally in tune with themselves so that we can start to go, wow, I'm last week I was kind of moving about my days, pretty stressed, pretty anxious, busy, overwhelmed, and yeah, not, not enough time to stop and slow down. So, okay, what are the opposite emotions? Oh, okay, well, what's the opposite of stress? Calm. What's the opposite of busy? You know, free, free time. What's the opposite of you know, overwhelmed, capable. Okay. How can I, if they're the kind of emotions that I want to feel, how can I lean in? What things do I need to do to create that more in my life? Because you are what you repeatedly do. Mm. If you're a person like you do yoga, if you go to yoga every day for a couple of years, you're naturally going to become, you know, more flexible, stronger, you know, I'm waiting for the day. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know what I mean though? Like you are so much further now going every day or being consistent than you were five years ago where same with fitness, you know, if you want to get fit and healthy, you, you move more and you eat better. And you know, we know that same goes for our well being. you know, Mm. the more you ask yourself, what is it that I want to be? What is it that I want to feel? How do I want to show up? What's my intention? How do I want to carry myself throughout the day? Okay. How do I make sure I support that for me? So much of my trauma had made me quite dis- disconnected and and actually in a weird way, I hate to use the term, but narcissistic. I was so internally focused on myself and I didn't have a lot of emotional attunement outward. I did, And I was not very empathetic. I wasn't very warm when people were in pain. I wasn't compassionate because I didn't have these skills for myself. I wasn't calm, not at all. I was really chaotic in my head. And so when I started to really sit with these things and ask myself, you know, okay, what are the opposite and how do I create, I want to create more empathy. Okay. How do I do that? I want to be a more compassionate person. How do I do that? I, you know, one of the things I dealt with a lot was confusion in my life. You know, there was a lot of confusion. So what's the opposite of confusion? Clarity. So that means having harder conversations with people when I'm upset and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. diving deep or with, you know, staff you know, what's the opposite of loneliness? Like I left, felt, felt a lot of loneliness and sadness connection. But, you know, what I did for eight years with Lassam was I was so focused on getting that connection from the community. Actually, what I've needed to do is build that connection within myself. Yeah. So I think what I wish for is ask yourself, like what three to five emotions do you tend to often feel? And if they're joy and happiness and peace and contentment and great, keep doing what you're doing. But chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably like, I would say 90% of people don't feel those things day to day and ask yourself, okay, what is it that comes up for me a lot? Okay. What are the opposite and how do I create that? How do I intentionally bring more of that out in my day? 
so many people I work with, so many business owners suffer from an overwhelm and stress. And when we add a little bit of meditation and we add some like breathing exercises throughout the day and some reflection and some journaling, they tend to just start feeling so much better. Mm. So it, it really can be quite simple, but it first starts with asking us the honest questions. And I think a lot of people want to deny that. And for me, people only really come to me when they're a lot of pain. You know, it's a lot of investment. It's a lot of time, money, energy. And, you know, we do the work for one of two reasons. We either learn enough that we want to or we go through enough pain that we have to. Mm. Most people come to me through the pain route. Yeah. And so they're ready to look at themselves. And this is so interesting because, I mean, you know, I've known you for a long time. I've always been someone who was so invested in mm. my self-development. But now, interestingly, now looking back, I was – focused on the positive, uplifting, you know, the the fun stuff. I wasn't looking at the shadow, the darkness, the the limiting beliefs, the things that were holding me back, the subconscious patterns. I've only really been in that space for the last three and a half years. And it wasn't until that breakup, because something I've always wanted was to be a wife and a mother. And it just it just keeps eluding me. So I had to ask myself, what is it about me that I'm creating this in my life? Like why is this not happening for me? And it was the first time in my life I honestly let go of the victim mindset and I turned around and I had to have a hard look at myself. And what was interesting was, you know, I'll never forget it, right? Because when I talk about that relationship and we're both trying to figure it out, he kept saying to me, Nerida, I feel like I'm not good enough for you. And I used to think to myself, what does that mean? Like, are you saying I'm too good for you? Like I didn't get it. I was like, but don't you want to be with a woman who's amazing? And I, I couldn't get it. And as six months went by and then I was at a barbecue with some friends and I have this couple that I've known for years and he's a bit, a bit of a ladies man and he's married this woman and they you know got kids, super happy. And I said to him, I said, what is it that made you choose her? Like what is it that made you know she was the one? And he said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, Nerida, she's the first woman that I met that I knew was too good for me but never made me feel like it. And it was like oh, all these moments of me criticizing him, Mm. complaining, judging him, you know, I realized for the first time that my fear and shame at the time was so high, I couldn't look at myself. It had to take time and to hear this drop in where I could see, wow, I was one of the reasons he, he was responsible too. But him saying to me, I feel like I'm not good enough for you was me actually giving him the message over and over and over you're not enough for me like you need to change and I can really honestly say that's exactly what I was doing yeah and I have compassion for that person because I was in so much fear I was in this story of like I want him to propose to me I want to have kids and (laughs) and I couldn't understand why it wasn't happening and now I look back and I'm like ah but it was so interesting that I heard that at the right time when I was ready when my fear had dropped and I'd worked through a bit of my shame and that could come in and I could see, oh, wow. Very, very cool. This has given me lots to think about. It's really helpful actually because I think as a coach and when you're so focused on business strategy, it's yeah. very easy to go to that strategic yeah. place and realize sometimes there's a place for the other side of that which Mm. is those conversations around hey like what's really going on here Mm. where is this coming from like let's let's deal with that and then Mm. this is going to be easy this is going to be more powerful once you work through that that's that just happens it's easy yeah you just move toward it just becomes like oh my god the blocks lifted it's like there i'm there 
you know, it's, it just happens. Like it really does. I've seen it in my own life. Like it just manifests in such a great way. But if, until you understand what it's, what's really going on, because guess what? New level, new devil. Mm. Like you might stay on the surface level and sort of go, okay, I'm going to put myself out there and make more videos and, and you'll do it. And it will, you'll start to feel more comfortable and da, da, da. And that will help like, and you will grow. But if you, but then that will pop up again when all of a sudden it's like, oh, now you've got to create an online course and now it's going to be shown to 300 people or 3000 people that'll pop up again. Yeah. So until you go like that, that devil will keep popping up at every level when you start to actually go back and you start to realize, wow, this pattern comes up for me a lot. And I know I'm going to meet that edge again. Mm. How am I going to move through that? I feel like the listeners have probably had a ton of aha moments from (laughs) this conversation. We can't be all strategy and Mm. and not, as I said before, not address some of this stuff because at the end of the day, it's going to help everything in your life, not just your business. So if if anybody's interested in learning a little bit more about your work, Mm -hmm. how do you work with people and where can they find you? Yeah. Thank you so much. So I mainly hang out on Instagram. So most people can (laughs) connect with me there. No Instagram sabbaticals yet. I know, not yet. (laughs) I don't think I ever could completely, but just limiting it would be good. But if you go into my bio, I offer a free discovery call and that's where we have a bit of a chat about where you're at, what you need, and if I'm aligned to support you. And I work with people in a six-month container. So I coach people for six months. And one of the things that I'm big on is there's insight and awareness, right? And then there's integration. Mm. So insight and awareness is understanding the concepts, learning about yourself, seeing the patterns, seeing the stories, and sort of making sense of all of that. The integration is like actually doing the thing. So for instance, we all understand that if you want to get fit and healthy, if you want to change your body, you've got to go to the gym, you've got to move your body, you've got to run, walk, skip, whatever it is, yoga, and you've got to clean up your eating. That's insight and awareness. Integration is setting your alarm for 5 a.m. and going and doing the exercise. It's going to the grocery shop and, you know, and buying your, your healthy food and making it. It's saying no to that, you know, that, you know, cupcake at work or whatever. <laughs> now, so the integration is so big and that's what I'm big on, like helping people to really integrate this work. So it takes six months to do that. Like to see change, it takes that long. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much, Nerida. Thank you for having me, Ruby. I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome.